What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I get a chance to chat with former Olympian Cassie Harwish. We chat about what she's been up to during the coronavirus pandemic, how you can take care of yourself physically and mentally during this time, and what her first time flying down a track headfirst was like. The coffee that is long for the ride today is homemade. And now, here's my chat with Cassie. How are things going today, Cassie? Uh, things are actually pretty great, which may not be the most popular answer lately, but <laughs> I am feeling, yeah, really, really good, and things are just feeling steady. So what have you been doing through uh, this kind of mixed-up time we've been uh, living in? <laughs> I have been focusing, the, the easy way to answer that is I've been focusing on being a human being rather than a human doing. I am very, very guilty of having to-do lists all over my house, <laughs> just constantly <laughs> looking to cross things off. And that was, uh, that was my life, you know, pre, pre-COVID-19 was uh, I was coaching volleyball and I was substitute teaching at the Catholic London School Board and as well as I'm a broadcaster for CBC Sports. So there were many things on my plate and that's normally kind of how I keep myself productive in my own mind saying, yeah, look at all these things I'm doing. But I am definitely guilty of not necessarily putting myself first. So this time really forced my hand. And I actually welcomed that. And instead of shying away from it, have stepped towards it. I I, I think that's kind of the case for a lot of people is that not always being on the go is really made them kind of focus on themselves more than sort of what do they need to do next? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a hard place to be because we're really good at going, oh yeah, I did that thing for myself. And then, you know, back to the original program, you know, same bat channel, you're just doing the same thing and going and going and going. And then we find ourselves in this position where we feel guilty taking time for ourselves. And this has really provided us an opportunity to not only actually look in the mirror and go like, well, what do I actually want? But giving us the space to do that. And for me as well, I've also been able to to help my my family to come home and visit in Manitoba and and safely do so because we're all, you know, and, and be able to give them an opportunity to 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 get into a healthier, active lifestyle here at home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, I mean for for me, I like for me, uh we have a full house. Mm-hmm. And so having a full house, it means that we've had a full house for three months yeah, yeah. without anyone leaving. So it, it's been kind yeah. of interesting because, you know, we have, I have, you know, I have my kids at, uh, you know, in grade school and then my partner's kids are in college. So it was always come and go, but all of a sudden everyone's been not on top of each other because we do have space, but it's more of like, oh, what do we need? What can we do next? Yeah, but it's the emotional on top of each other. Like you oh. can have all the space in the world and you're still like, get away from me. Like, yeah. why are you still here? So nice. <laughs> we can't go anywhere. Um, that sounds like a fun challenge for that many, you know, the age range. <laughs> you're like, cool, cool, guys. Can y'all just calm down? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And how have you guys like handled that yourself? Like how, how have you found it works best at your house? Um, I mean, getting out for walks is definitely uh very helpful luckily we have a backyard so now that the weather's nice we can go out and enjoy the backyard 
Um, but really, I think a lot of it is sort of, uh, you know, like my kids still have, you know, school to work on. So there's that. Uh, everyone uh, created a music video this past weekend. So that, 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 was, that was pretty fun. <laughs> Please send me the link. I no, I it. will. I will for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to ask permission first. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and I mean, in reality, though, like Animal Crossing and other video games have kind of helped that too, especially with my, my youngest one. Uh, she's 10 and uh, being able to chat with her friends uh, through the game has definitely helped her sort of keeping that that uh contact with her friends yeah yeah that's and that you really figure it out and i'm sure like all of the individual personalities in your house are figuring that out too hopefully that what you like that's what i meant when i said what you really need like not everybody needs the same thing some people like being by themselves longer and some people really need that contact and this is this is like amplified both ends (laughs) for people that are cool being by themselves and they're good they're still going to miss a bit of contact um, before the last couple of weeks, I was actually by myself in my apartment for two straight months, like <laughs> oh, completely alone. And some, you know, some people like maybe yourselves or people that have big families or look at that and go, wow, that sounds amazing. I'm like, uh, yeah, I made it amazing. But I can tell you there were days where I'm like, uh, okay, like I'm, where is everyone? Like I haven't talked out loud for like outside of a zoom call, right. For yeah. days. And I haven't like touched anyone else. I'm like, this is nuts. Like that's not, not normal. And it's not, it's not good for us. I don't think at all. Like there's a, there's an element of that. And I know there's been studies and new, new names for everything, but you know, so, so look at that and go, okay, what are we going to need when we can get back to uh, whatever the new normal becomes? So. Well, I, and I think it is that, that human interaction that, that does help. I, I, you know, I, we're lucky where we, you know, if we need human interaction, we can just go into one room and there's four people in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi everyone. Yeah. But, but I mean, I know like you and I know a few others that have been on their own for, were on their own for two months and you, without that human interaction, you know, what is, what, what is that going to do to somebody, you know, once you get out and see people? Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And I, and I worry, I worry about like older people and stuff, as, as, but even just people that haven't had to be by themselves with their yeah. own thoughts. Like it's not just the, the onset dementia and all these things that do come from being isolated. It's, it's just the, it's just, it's a reality check for a lot of people. And my hope for everyone is that they can really like take this with a huge consideration moving forward. It isn't just like a blip, like, Oh, we had to do that thing for a while. Like, <laughs> Uh, you know, what has this shown us? What does that, what does that look like for your life and for your, for all the habits that you create moving forward? Oh, for sure. Like it's going to be interesting to see how do do people, will people change? Uh, Are they going to change their habits? I mean, for me, I know that my shopping habits are going to change. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are things that I used to thought were important to me to go out and shop for, but now it's like, well, I've done without it for a couple of months. I'm good. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like that about all the clothes I own. Like <laughs> I don't even need all this. Like I've always known that, but when I was by myself there for a couple of months, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I only need like five outfits like this, if at all. And that's if I'm working out and I have to be on a call, right? Like 
I hope that I'm going to need some fancy clothes again someday soon. But, you know, from from the days of Team Canada and having a million pieces of clothing that all say Canada on them to being like, I'm good with just shorts and a shirt. Okay, here we go. Well, I, I, I realized it. one thing. I don't have enough casual wear. <laughs> You're like, just gonna put my suit on to go to breakfast. Well, not just suit. Like, I have like <laughs> jeans and shirts. I don't have yeah. like sweatpants. Mm, like leisure wear. You're missing yes. your leisure wear. Yeah, okay. like, I just okay. I don't have that. Yeah, I have way too much of that. So I'm all good. I'm all good. And I, I have to like sometimes just put a pair of pants on because I hate pants. I'm like always wearing yeah. shorts. Everyone's like, oh, can you put like? Are you, it's a bit cold. I'm like, no, no pants. No, um, but yeah. yeah. So, so, did, so you didn't Maria condo your place before the pandemic? <laughs> I am a very organized <laughs> human being, um, but I do like to own things. And I did see like a meme about how, you know, the joke is like, I bet Maria Kondo wishes she didn't do that to her house now. So she had more <laughs> items to like hang out with in her house. So I was like, yeah, no, but uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty organized, like a little color coordinated closet, stuff like that. So I do that, but I, I didn't uh, purge as much, quite so much as the show would have liked me to, I'm sure. <laughs> now, do you remember that, that moment in time when you were um, like, oh, things <laughs> have changed? Like, yeah. I know for me, it was that, <laughs> that, that March 11th date where the NBA quickly postponed their season and then all of a sudden the next day schools were closed for two weeks after March break it was like oh I guess this is real yeah so let me paint the scene for you for me I was we were about uh, so I was co- as a head coach of the 15U girls team for London Volleyball Club Fire and LVC Fire and, and our whole club had about eight teams all female teams ranging from age 14 to 18 going on a trip that we'd been planning months for paying for everything, like literally a hundred thousand dollars of cost to go to this, to go down to the States for the entirety of March break. Cause we were, we were traveling, we were stopping, we were doing a tournament in um, Nashville. And then we were staying and training like three, three times a day for, te- for six days, including like all these things. So you get the point. And then we were on our way back. We were doing another tournament in Ohio. That was the plan. And then we we're going to get them back for Sunday and they'd be crushed by Monday for the first day of school after yes. March break. But that was going to be like, so we were, we were the Thursday, we were supposed to leave the Thursday, which was the, the 12th and the 13th was that Friday in March. Yeah. And so on the 12th, like the 11th, I had a practice with the girl. Oh no, Monday I had a practice that week. Sorry. We had a practice on Monday and we had, and everyone was already starting to get concerned because things yeah. had started to change. Right. And I was the person standing in front of all my 15-year-olds going, don't worry, guys. The worst thing that's going to happen here is that they'll cancel the tournament. We're still going to go down. We're still going to do the training camp. We're still going to – it's going to be okay because we can control those things. Like, I was convinced it wasn't going to be that, right? So I was in – you know, I was in denial. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I was in denial, like, all the way up to, including the NBA closing. I was still like, nope, it's not going to be us. It's not going to be us. And then the NHL canceled on the Thursday, and I was like, oh, no. Uh oh, like, stop, like, oh no, two, two multi billion dollar companies just shut down. Like, uh oh. And so, four hours before we were set to leave on that Thursday, we canceled the trip. <laughs> oh, wow. Four hours. And, like, thank goodness, because getting 
the like we get they got everyone was and I have to say this out loud like everyone was so fantastic we got all of the money back which was unbelievable yeah. but because we never even stepped foot on the charter bus like all the things that would have just negated the refund right mm-hmm. never happened but yeah that was the moment and I was on the phone with our director for LBC and we were all like what are we gonna do like you have to make a decision and I'm like I want to go still like just so selfish right like I just I don't understand. But I knew I'm like, uh, two people were starting to really get uncomfortable. There was parents that were really not comfortable sending them across the border and, and all this stuff. So yeah, that was the moment. And I was like, this is happening. So, you know, Friday came and went. That was the day we were supposed to already be like there. Yeah. And I, I kept that bag packed for six weeks. Like I knew we were never going, but there was something about unpacking the bag that just made it more real. Even though I was like in quarantine by myself, like I'm isolated yeah. by myself, yeah. but I just sat in my closet packed. And I just kept taking stuff out of it as I needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really well, didn't it, want it. It, it just sort of seemed like it was on pause. Not really stopped, but just on pause. And you're like, okay, it's going to happen, I think. But I know it's not going to. But if I leave that bag packed, it could happen. I know for me, my, my 10-year-old daughter still has one game left in her basketball season. <laughs> and oh, I don't yeah. Think, yeah. And I don't think it's going to get played. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's done. Yeah, our season, that's the thing. Is all these things were just, they were just finny, like all done. Okay. Oh. And it's oh, so, yeah, so, and dealing with that is yeah. just so much, so much loss, oh. right? Like oh, so just, much loss. Oh, for yeah. sure. Like my daughter, grade eight, she was, you know, all this stuff was going to happen in mm-hmm. Mar- or March, April, May, June. June, yeah. It all got wiped out. And it's like, well, you're going to have an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Our hearts just go out to all these like transitional periods in oh. people's lives that this really, they don't get that version that the expectation provided beforehand. Right. The, the parties, the, the like celebrations, not in the same way. So, no. and that's really tough because it's not something that we can just give them. I don't know. So, and, you know, and, what do you do? And, like figure out a way. And if you do it a year later, is it going to be the same? Well, you know, and, and I think about things like that, like look at something that makes me think of that is like when, there's all this the scandals and the the doping incidents in the Olympics, and then the Olympic medals get changed countries and yeah. groups, and they have ceremonies for those people, but they didn't get their moment. Oh yeah, exactly. So then everything is kind of like the points almost moot. I mean, they're still celebrating, they're still the the you know, those medalists, but yeah. people didn't see it in the time that it was meant to be seen. So it's really hard to get your head wrapped around that. Yeah, but it, I mean, even like. As you as an Olympian, like, just imagine, like, having your Olympic Games postponed to the next year where you've got your training all laid out. So you're at your peak when your event happens at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you've got to reset and yeah. figure out when to get your peak again. Yeah, well, yeah, periodization, which is what that's referred to when you, like, have to try to peak for certain yeah. events, is a big part of every sport. and when you're at that high, high level, like that's just it where every athlete and every coach and every strength and conditioning trainer, everybody's just looking at that going, okay. And I, and I said that a lot of people were, cause we, we always, we often lean to the negative element of this because there is, as we said, so much loss, but I also encourage people to realize that this op- opened up an opportunity in terms of athletics, like for all these people that were on the bubble <laughs> that may or may not have made the team. And now they're gonna they're gonna get another year. So yeah. we might end up with some pretty interesting stories of people that weren't supposed to go. And what's nice is that a lot of the sports have allowed the qualification to just stay. Yeah. Right. So if you made it, you made it, which is a nice release, and you get an extra year. So that's either good or bad. It depends on the person's situation. 
but you got to look at it and go like, what does this mean? You know? So I, I was an alternate at the Olympics. So like, I didn't actually get to compete. So there's all kinds of, I know all about loss (laughs) at the (laughs) Olympics. I know what that feels like. I know when you're literally like your finger is almost touching it and then it's gone. And you're like, what? (laughs) Like I was eighth in the world. I don't understand why I'm not competing. Like what's happening. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I, my heart is with all these people, but like what you can create from this is surely much greater than, than the sadness we are currently feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's not what you complain about at the moment. It's what you do with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the shift I'm, I'm hoping for people. Now, now the reason why I wanted to bring you onto my show was the the tweet that that caught my eye. Where you put out, you know, it's really quite simple: breathe, move, drink water, be kind and patient with yourself, find things you actually enjoy doing, and if you want help, reach out to me. Yeah. And I thought that was really nice that you're like, hey, I can actually do something to help whoever in this time and. You know, and I've got the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was 100 percent my intention. Like I am connected with and working with some really incredible others that that are the experts in all kinds of fields. And so for me to be able to say, like, have this conversation with anyone and say, what you know, what are you going through? What's there for you? What do you want? What's that look like? What can you do? all right, here's, here's what I have for you. Like, here's an opportunity for you to have conversations to really evaluate. Like, don't, don't be scared to ask for people's help. Like the, the experts in the world want to help people. That is, and this is an opportunity for all of us to do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't really realize that, you know, people are out there. If they have that expertise, they want to share it. (laughs) Yeah. It's Uh, useless inside our brains. I promise. (laughs) So how important how important is having a routine, especially uh, when you're kind of don't have a normal day to day life? Yeah, yeah. Like what's what's normal, right? That word yeah. that word's just getting everyone's like the quotes around it. It's normal now, totally. So uh, I believe that it is paramount to have some kind of system. It doesn't have to be. And I think what gets stuck in people's minds often is that if they create a routine for themselves and then something happens to change it, that they get, there's often this feeling of guilt of, of, of like, okay, well, forget it. Like I've already screwed it up. So just throw the rest of the day away. So it's that being able to know that the adjustment on the fly is all good, that not every day is going to look the same. But if you have like vitality habits in your life, you know, like drinking water, getting seven hours of sleep, moving for 30 minutes a day, like minimum, like those are the kinds of things that you can put into your routine that can be there every day and that you know that you can do them. And if something happens to get in the way, you're like, okay, I can, I can adjust. And you can let yourself have the grace to go tomorrow's another day. I'm going to do better. And how do you, you, you keep that routine? Is it something you just say, Hey, mark it down uh, calendar wise, or is it just a habit where you if you keep doing it, it just kind of becomes part of something that you don't even think about. A little bit of both, I suppose, like depends. Some people just don't need it written down. Some people do. Right. So everything's so unique, but to be able to take the time, like really spend some time with yourself and decide like, what's that look like for you? Like, what do you need to do right now? If you made a list, what do I need to do for myself to be, to be healthy, to be happy, to feel like just to feel good. 
Because that's not just about physical, right? There's so much stuff going on in our mind right now. Like, how do we address those three pieces? So make a list, whatever that list looks like. It could be like hundreds of things. It could be three things. So there's no right or wrong. And then figure out if you're able to do those things yourself or if you need to ask for someone to help you do it or a better way. And then if you need to make a routine or you're able to and that helps you and serves you, then then write a routine with times and see if that helps. But as I said, like knowing that sometimes others life happens, right? <laughs> Gets in the way. So that'll start it. But the biggest thing about creating any kind of habit is is doing it with consistency. So getting a getting a it's nice to, if you can, especially like in, in situations like yourself where you're like in a family. So if you have like a team of people and in cases where people are by themselves, like find a friend, do it with someone else. Cause sometimes that makes it even better, right? Like, and, and always it makes it easier because we're as human beings, like why do, why do gyms work when we all go to like a workout class? Because we know there's some other people there that are waiting for us. They might like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to go and that person's going to tell me what to do, or I'm going to suffer with my friends at the gym. <laughs> there's this idea in the human brain that, you know, we can do this together, but doing it alone might be too hard. So those are some pointers in my mind anyway. Well, that's great. I mean, I think I think that's a lot. A lot of people sort of need to sort of find a routine that will help them so that you don't end up doing, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV all day or mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. kind of do 50 million things, but don't get anything actually done. Yeah. Yeah. And you just feel like a rack in both cases, right? Your yeah. brain's like melted because you sat in front of the TV or your brain's melted because you did a million things, but never actually enjoyed any of it. Yeah, exactly. So neither serves you. Yeah. Now, most, most people will know you uh, as being an Olympian. And you mind if I uh, ask you a few questions about your skeleton days? Yes, please go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like going down the track? Because that, it that was, is something like, yeah. like that is something that's like, hey, I would like to try it, but I don't know if I could survive it. <laughs> you will survive. You will survive it if you were oh, to you try do, it you from don't the. Know me, you do. Oh not no, know I do. Me. I <laughs> I was the head coach in Whistler after I retired from competitive sports and uh, took you know hundreds of of public from corner eleven in Whistler and everyone lived. I promise. Yes, no de- but I, no I, I, I trip walking going upstairs. So, <laughs> Well, we just I, I, lay you on your stomach and you do nothing. <laughs> so I promise you, you'd be all right. But yeah, so the very first time uh, I ever got to be on a skeleton sled uh, on an actual track was in 2009, October in 2009. And, you know, my I was graciously surrounded by people that were going to the 2010 games that year. And that was how I got involved because uh, their coach, was a friend of mine from my track and field days and, and said, Hey, why don't you come train with us? And I was thinking I was just going to be running in the summer and just doing some sprinting like I'd been doing and maybe some weightlifting. And I somehow got tricked into the idea of actually getting on a sled. And I say tricked because I thought it was a good idea, but it was definitely a trick. So <laughs> when you do a skeleton school in any track in the world that you're able to, so this is in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada that I did this. And uh, that track is now closed, which is a side note of sadness. We're we're hoping that one day it will be reopened, but it was the 88 Games Olympic track. Yep. And yeah, so the first day you get a very brief overview of what it's going to be like. So like, don't do too much. And you go from a much lower start. Whoa. So you get explained the sled. <laughs> I would hope so. You get, yeah, yeah. You don't just get sent <laughs> off to the top. Okay, see you later. Just a little kick in the butt. Um, no, so we go down and maybe you go down like four or five corners. And it's really yeah. slow and slow relative, but it really is much slower than you're going to going to be like 40 50 kilometers per hour which might not seem slow but it is really slow when you're in there 
So, okay. Then you're like, all right. But when you go slow, you also hit everything because you're, you're not able to relax. So you're like bumping into walls and you're thinking, what the heck is this? Day two, you go up a little bit higher. Then you're getting to start to be a little bit of speed. You're starting to have an idea of what you're doing, but you're also like looking around a lot. So I can tell you those first two days, like I just wanted to go faster. Like I liked it, but I also didn't like how out of control I was. So there was just like a little bit of, yeah, okay. Like I like it. I'm excited for day three. Everybody's excited for day three. The side note about all this was that I started when I was 25 years old, okay? So that's not like the daredevil teenagers of all the other 30 people in the school at the same time as me. So I was there, like, little chip on my shoulder, like, I'm not scared of this. Like, I'm all good, right? Like, I don't want to be the adult here who's scared. (laughs) I'm trying to tell myself that. Meanwhile, I'm totally, like, not into it. I'm like, this is cool, but uh. So day three, they lay you down on the sled. So if you've seen Skeleton before, for the listeners, that's the head first one by yourself laying on your stomach where the athlete runs beside the sled first. So one hand on the sled yeah. running super fast for fifty about 50 meters and then jumps on. That part of it isn't taught until later. So you don't do that. So you just lay on the sled and a volunteer walks you down the start ramp and then lets you go. So this is why I tell this story because it's important to know that everything what should happen you just get on the sled they push you a few like feet they walk you and then they just release you and because if there's an incline you just go into corner one when i got on the sled and these are older sleds like they're using sleds probably i jokingly say from the 88 games not really but they're so old and rickety because they're gonna hit everything and they don't want to use a skeleton sled's about ten thousand dollars so they're not going to use like brand new sleds for brand new sliders right so they're like just using the old the ones that can take a beating and I got on the sled and I got down and I laid down and I put my hands beside my like hands and feet in the, in, in the sled at all times. Right. That's the, left, the line. So I'm all together. I'm in an arrow position and the person you bend your feet up a little bit so they can push you and the volunteers walking, walking. And I can hear something scraping on the ice, which is, I don't know what's supposed to sound like anything, but for some reason I just knew it shouldn't be that. And I did the thing that no one's supposed to do, which was pick my hands out of the sled, put my hands in front of me and try to say something to the person behind me because I was like, something's wrong but you're wearing a full face helmet so they can't really hear you the person i startled the volunteer so much that he like misstepped and then he fell (laughs) and then i had to try and stop myself Uh... going down i didn't actually get very far because there is quite a ways like 50 meters is pretty far so we hadn't quite hit the crest of the the incline thank goodness and i managed to like starfish stop myself and in that moment, I was uh, there's other volunteers running down to like stop me in the sled, and I got off and I got back to the top, and they promptly put me on a sled and pushed me off, right? Like, and everything was okay. What had happened was the sled had actually compressed so much because the the steel tubes underneath they're not skates. This story has so many elements that I always tell people about. There's, they're not skates <laughs> underneath the skeleton sled; they're round. They're almost round the entire way, except for the part underneath the slider's legs. There's a tiny cutout area that causes where the where the weight is. That's where we can steer. So that's the thing is that it's very slippery. Like it's just like being on two pieces of tube. Like what the heck? So anyways, I stopped myself and those actually get pressed out. So there's a bolt in the top of the sled. So like a skate, you can create a different amount of rock. So yeah. the more the bolt goes down, the more the, the bow is on the on the runner. That's what it's called. That steel tubes are runner. So those, the, the bolt had completely unwound itself and stripped itself and the runners were completely flat, which meant that I would have had absolutely no control the whole way down. So it's a really good thing that my intuition like kicked in in that moment, even though that guy fell and I was terrified and he was scared and everything was nuts. But that's, 
that. So here I am right before I get back on the second sled they've now brought me. I'm thinking, is this a sign? Can we like, check should this I? first? <laughs> no, but like, should I not do this sport then? Like, is this the skeleton God thing? Like, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, that's me trying to give you a chance. This is your out. Walk away. Well, anyways, I didn't listen if it was. And, uh, you know, spent the next nine years sliding for Team Canada. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so going I... down felt amazing. But I can't remember much more than the beginning part because that was terrifying. And then surviving inside and knowing where I was enough that I didn't crash. And then crossing the finish line, which felt incredible. Like, even though I hit everything on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a little fun, fun fact of my first day doing skeleton. And then obviously you'd enjoyed it so much that. <laughs> yeah. You... Yeah. I, I, you get three runs that day and I was like, put me back in the truck. Let's go. Let's go. I want to know what's going on this time. And, and it was addictive and it's the only thing I've ever done. And that's the idea. And people have heard about this, the idea of flow state where you can't think about anything else. That's what skeleton was for me. And that's what kept me coming back because the racing and the idea and my memory was got so good so fast for these little tiny finite elements. Like by the end of my career, I could tell you within inches of where I was from a wall, from an iced up wall of a, of a corner in a video. If you watch the video replay, I could tell you before you saw the video replay where I was when I came in, where I steered in the corner and where I came out going like as much as 140 kilometers per hour. That's nuts. Like who's, you know, you don't know your brain can do that. So, and you're doing that for up to 16 corners. <laughs> like, it's wild. It's wild. And I loved it. But I, I think you would have to know that in order to be competitive. Like you would have to know your corners well. Well, yeah. Like that's so what I mean. Over time, right? You get good yeah. at it. But So your brain has already worked those corners in that you know exactly where to turn and when not to turn. Mm -hmm. But some of them, like, so my first year on World Cup, there were, we go to nine races a year and I had never seen six of the tracks that we went to that year. <laughs> well, then there's that. <laughs> okay. So that's what I mean. So like to be able yeah. to realize that you can memorize so quickly because yeah. you only get oh, three yeah. days of training yeah. and in each day you only get two runs. So you get six minutes of in-track time to get ready to compete against the world's best. I'm like, oh yeah, no big deal. Because I, I had a little bit of like a junior A to NHL situation where I didn't get that middle middle ground of the Intercontinental Cup. So I didn't see these tracks. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I, I was it was definitely a baptism by fire. But and, but I also think that's a little bit of your drive. Yeah, yeah. And, and 100%. sort of what, you know, if you have a goal, I'm going to do it kind of thing. Yeah, it was my normal. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, nothing's going to get in my way. I don't care if I only get a minute on this track. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you said you ran track at high school? What? No, so I oh. played volleyball in oh, high school. Okay. I played oh, okay. volleyball until my second year of university. Yeah. I actually played for Windsor, Ontario for the yeah. first year, uh, and then half of a season, but then didn't use my eligibility. And then I did track and field for the Regina Cougars in Saskatchewan. What did you run track? <laughs> so because I got cut from the volleyball team, I just assumed that I would be good at running and jumping. <laughs> well, surprise. Also, when you start track when you're 20, like, good luck. Um, <laughs> That was a fun one. So I ended up becoming a multi-eventer. So the head coach at, at, in Regina at the time was Carla Nichols. And she met me and was like, okay, sure, you can try out. And yeah, she saw me try out and was like, you're really athletic. Like, yeah, this is going to be good. And I'm like, okay, what event am I doing? Singular, what event are you going to let me do? She's like, oh, no, no, you're going to become a heptathlete. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, 
then she listed all the events, right? Hurdles, high jump, long jump, shot put, uh, javelin, 200, 800. I'm like, uh, yeah, you think, oh. I'm like, yeah, you, you, really? You think that's a good idea? And she's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And uh, so I just said, okay. And that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I actually, two years outdoor after I was done school, I did 400 meter hurdles only. Because I got sick of being mediocre at seven yeah. events. <laughs> I was pretty good, but not great, right? Like there's people that have been doing track since they were five. Uh, and the people uh, like I started, yeah. I got to train in the summer with like people like Jessica Zlinka, like Olympian Jessica Zlinka, Zlinka. And she was so incredible. We'd go to these training camps and I'm like, what? Like, how am I going to get to that level? Okay, well, here we go. So it was very uh, encouraging and also demeaning. <laughs> so, a fellow, fellow hurdler. I ran, yes. I ran hurdles in high school. Amazing. Amazing. I yes. loved hurdles the most. It's because there's did, something in the way, you yeah, know, and I can't yeah. think about well, how tired I am. I did distance <laughs> hurdles because I am not tall enough to run sprint hurdles. <laughs> yeah, the men's. Oh, let's not get started on the like discrepancy between women's hurdles and men's hurdles uh, for the straightaway. I'm like, yeah. no, put them up because you got these tiny little five foot two girls that can hurdle super fast because they don't have yeah. to jump as high. But yeah. all the guys in hurdles have to be like six five. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Athletics no. Canada, you hear me? Someone change this. The IAAF can tell, take it up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. It is great to have uh, somebody who is a, a former Olympian and somebody who uh, promotes uh, good health and really sort of strong commitment, especially with kids uh, in sports and growing up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I... And as I said in my tweet and all my posts, if you guys follow me everywhere, like I am here. So reach where, out, DM, email, everything. And where can they find you? Yeah, everything's the same. At Cassie Haresh. So C-A-S-S-I-E-H-A-W-R-Y-S-H. Perfect. So you just Google will, that yeah. and it's everywhere. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes so that uh, there is no mistaking and not being able to find you. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate this. So thank you Perfect. for reaching out. Thank you very much. I would like to thank Cassie for chatting with me and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter at Jason Perry. That's at Jason P-E-R-R-I-E-R. And use the hashtag chance to chat with if there's someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out.